0: People of the world, hello and welcome to The Brothers Talk with your hosts, Rod, Scott, and Norm, where our purpose is a simple one. Tune into our weekly podcast each Friday wherever you listen to your favorite programs or on this website to hear us, three black, unfiltered African-American men with no strings attached, giving voice as the most feared, most misunderstood, and most rarely heard from segment of the population on topics of interest to us for education, enlightenment, and entertainment. To reach us with your comments, questions, and suggestions, we're at The Brother's Talk on Twitter, The Brother's Talk on Instagram, the Facebook group of the same name, and if you care to share in more detail, hit us up at the email address, thebrotherstalk at gmail.com. Also, stay tuned for details about our upcoming news and perspective show on Millennium TV's M24 streaming news station. And here we are again, the Brothers Talk. We want to remind you that we still have a few spots left for our call-in show that we're going to do as a recorded podcast on next Saturday, April the 18th. So if you are interested in being one of those who gets a chance to participate with us, do hit us up at our feed on at the Brothers Talk and Twitter, Brothers Talk on Instagram, the Facebook group of the same name, or hit us at thebrotherstalkgmail.com. So we want to jump right into the topics that we have this week, and we want to start with a continuation of the most prevalent issue out there currently, which is the coronavirus pandemic. And a lot of information, or a lot of attention rather, has been paid recently to the fact that it has disproportionately been affecting the Black community, that in areas where We are a third of the population at most. We're still seeing 70% of the deaths. And so this is a trending issue that's going on across the country. And we want to talk about some of the things that are impacting that and what can we do to try to help to identify some solutions. Because for all the talk that we're hearing, we're not hearing much in the way of solutions. But before we jump into that, I want to once again bring in our co-hosts, Scott and Norm. So take it away.
1: Hey, family. We want to thank you again for supporting us. want you to remember to buy black and support black businesses and be cautious and safe out there with this coronavirus still in effect.
2: Well, I just wanted to say, you know, it's important for us to talk to the young people about this and let them know how serious this thing is. And to be sure that they're aware that they can transfer this to older people and the people in their family, loved ones, without knowing it. And they don't seem to be taking this seriously. And I just wanted to put that out there a I-
0: And that's kind of where we want to start, because I want to just raise the question, what is it with us? Because especially with our understanding of how uh, insidious this disease has been in terms of attacking our community, we still get almost daily reports of police having to go into our communities and break up large gatherings. So it's not bad enough that we are being disproportionately impacted in the hospitals and in the emergency care facilities, but we're not even doing what we can to practice social distancing and stay at home. in a lot of these instances, there's a lot that happens that we're going to talk about in terms of people who are considered essential business people who have to go out and be in the line of fire. But what is it that's got our people doing the kind of things that are just making this disease spread like wildfire in our communities for something as crazy as a birthday party for a 1 year old. Yeah
1: Rod, You are exactly right. Uh, it's hard for researchers too also to determine why is it that we are the one we are the group that's been hit the hardest. When you have folks on a daily basis having large gatherings, having parties that's spreading the disease. So on one hand, We know that we're being impacted. They say that we're being impacted because of socioeconomic status, because of the kind of jobs that we're working. Then on the other hand, you have folks who are just going out here, ignoring the stay-at-home and and the social distancing orders. They're, They're ignoring that. So we don't really know. It's hard to determine what's really going on in our communities because people are and knowing the fact that you have some, some groups who are actually, some folks who are actually staying home and practicing social, social distancing. But then you have other folks who seem to think that they're bulletproof or they're Teflon, that they can't be impacted by this virus.
2: And unfortunately, they're the ones spreading it and they're the ones who are going to get those people safe. And another problem is the workers. The people who really have to work during this time are the frontline people who are basically minorities working those kind of, I don't want to say menial jobs, but those frontline jobs. And they're getting sick. They're bringing it home. They're bringing it back to the community. That's part of the problem. And then we have the, re- the already existing conditions that our people suffer from. The asthma. The heart disease, diabetes, all of these things factor in
0: to that death number. And see, I believe that the healthcare workers, I believe they are sensitive enough and thoughtful enough to realize that they don't want to bring it home. So I think they're taking the kinds of precaution. I'm just much more uh, perturbed about these people who are having these parties and who are still gathering to go to churches when it seems the majority of churches have taken the stay-at-home process to heart and decided to stream their services and do and connect in other ways. But there's just a segment of our people who are just ignoring it altogether and acting as though there's nothing wrong. And they are actually even seeing members of their community who are going down with the virus. And for whatever reason, they still aren't heeding the call.
1: Roger you and Noam know, both brought up uh, good points it looks as though we're being hit from like all angles. That one group that you mentioned, they're at risk because they're the healthcare workers, they're providers. Then you have that group that Noam brought up, you know, the, the working class, the people who work in the restaurants and that industry and childcare and some of what they call the gig economy. That group, then you have the group of folks who are just disregarding everything else that's happening, even in places like Albany, Georgia, and Jacksonville, and in some of the uh, larger minority populations, folks are having these gatherings at church, It's a huge debate about whether people should be going to church or not. People are angry because they can't go to church. So you have folks going to church. You have folks who are having these parties. They tend to have these outdoor events like block parties, or they may have parties in large fields where you got 50 or more people. And they're thinking that because they're outside, I'm assuming they're thinking that because they're outside, they're going to kind of lessen the impact on spreading the disease. So when you have that kind of three-pronged approach that's driving up our, that rate of infection for Black folks. So we're being hit from all different angles, and that's driving up our infection rates.
2: And it's funny you say that, Scott, because I saw a group in Louisiana that's actually protesting because they want to go to church. They're mm-hmm. literally having a mass protest to go to church.
0: Well, the church thing is the one thing that is crossing the ethnicity lines, because I've seen a lot of white churches that are doing the same thing, practicing this fake faith healing. And so they're doing that as well. And But as you said, we've got the triple whammy. We've got the ignorant who are ignoring the the warnings that are out there. We've got the folks who have to be in jobs that create more exposure for them. And then we have the health issue, as you mentioned, Nor, that we are the highest risk population because we have more of the underlying causes, more heart disease, more diabetes, more lung infectious diseases, things like that. So what do we do? What What kind of solutions can we start to propose? Because for all the coverage I see where they identify a lot of the same issues, I'm not seeing anybody proposing any solutions as to what needs to happen, what needs to be done to ensure that the people who are, in this instance, the least of these, have an opportunity to be better served by the healthcare community
1: well i I think that one of the things that we can do is take this same approach that we took when h i v and AIDS was running rampant more rampant than it is in our community. You have a lot of social groups that got involved churches you have a lot of sororities and maternities that got involved to try to educate people about it. and education was a big it was a big push on education and I think that's the type of thing that we need to need to do because you have a lot of these folks I don't know whether they're not educated enough about the impact, how you get infected, or they just don't care. But I haven't seen a lot of education, push towards education from the churches, from social groups. And I think we need to start, those groups need to get involved to try to educate folks who are going out there, having these party and not practicing social distancing.
2: You know, I think that's a great point. And they had Magic Johnson on CNN the other night, and some friends and I were discussing that, like, why would they have Magic Johnson on? And the same reason that that the doctor working with the president was on one of the basketball players' podcasts, because you have a segment of our population that's not going to be reached by Channel 2 News, by the CNN or MSNBC or any of those networks that's totally oblivious to what's going on here. And I think what you said, Scott, is right on point. We have to reach these people another way. And it's literally going to be, have to be from the ground up, block by block, city by city, state by state. It's the only way we're actually going to be able to really reach these people in our community. They're not going to be reached by social media. They're not going to be reached by, you know, cable or, or network news. They're going to be reached by somebody knocking on their door and explaining to them exactly what's happening here.
0: Well, I definitely agree with you in terms of having that grassroots approach, but I also think that social media is definitely one of the ways in which they will respond, because if you want to find any of the rumors that run rampant in our communities, you can find them right out on social media. So I think that's definitely another avenue. But obviously we have to become much more involved as a community to start to try to educate. And in some instances, I think it has to go beyond just education. I think it has to go into some shaming. We have to get to the place where we're willing to call out irresponsible behavior, just like during the days of the peak of the AIDS, HIV crisis. You know, it took a lot of folks who were willing to stand up and say, you know, it's just irresponsible not to be practicing safe sex. And for whatever reason, you know, that kind of of campaign did catch on. And I think that certainly had as much to do with reducing the amount of new infection as anything else.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think both of you guys are right on point. The disappointing thing here is on uh, national TV, local news, they talk about the high percentage of black folks being infected. But like I say, they don't talk about why. They'll put out the statistics. They'll put out the underlying health conditions that black folks have as a reason for us dying at a higher rate than everybody else. But nobody's saying, why is this happening? You know, it, it appears that, well, it's just happening because they're black. And, and that's just not it. It's happening because of lack of education, I think, and lack of the fact that folks, they don't care. And like, Rod, you're right, we, there's going to have to be some shaming. There's going to have to be somebody who take the mantle, whether it's a uh, Magic Johnson or a or Barack Obama somebody else with some stature in the community on a national level, people are going to have to start talking about that on a national level. And then on a grassroots level, like you said, Norm, people are going to have to start doing things in their communities to educate folks and tell them, hey, look, you're not only are you risking your life, but you're risking lives of other folks when you're out here
2: because you feel like you have to party. Well, Rod, I have a question for you. Do you think you can actually shame these people?
0: Well, I think there's peer pressure still exists. I don't think you can shame all of them. But I think it has to come from some of those folks who are in these neighborhoods who are actually recognizing what's going on. And for whatever reason, you know, they're just staying quiet. And I don't know why they, perhaps it is for fear of being ostracized. But I think sometimes you have to just tell a person like, look, you know, I'll, I'll take the heat, but I'm just trying to save your life. And if they can't accept that, then, you know, you've done all that you can, but I think they are, Too many people who are just sitting quietly by, whether it is ministers, whether it is civic leaders, this is just too serious a situation. Now, one of the things that I heard you say, Scott, and I did notice that there are some of these doctors who are diving down into the death rates among Black people. And there was actually even a physician's advocate out there who talked about one of the reasons that the death rate is as high as it is in our communities is still because of racism in the healthcare system. And so she mentioned the fact that when Black people come in, even when they're suffering with symptoms, that they're less likely to be admitted to the hospital. They're more likely to be sent home. That can result in a death sentence when somebody goes home instead of being admitted to the hospital where they can be monitored and potentially put on a ventilator and some of the other aspects of treatment. And so just that kind of racism rearing its head inside the system, not to mention the majority of doctors that are in the hospitals are not doctors who look like any of us. And so that will put them in a position where they don't necessarily take our health care as seriously. So I am glad to see that the The media is picking up this as a story, although I don't know that the doctors and hospital administrators, with everything they've got going on, have enough time to hear these stories. But perhaps some way that message is getting conveyed into the mix that makes them do a second look when they see a black person coming into the hospital.
1: Yeah, I think you also have to take uh, into account the number of black people who don't trust the healthcare, don't trust doctors, don't want to go to the doctor don't want to go to the hospital because of the outcomes and because of the way they've been treated in the past. They're thinking that there's a good chance that I'm going to get the same kind of treatment. I'm going to get subpar treatment. I'm not going to get the same kind of treatment that my white counterpart or some other ethnicity group is going to get. I think we also got to factor that into the fact that racism uh element of it. One of the things that's kind of surprising to me and it's kind of concerning is I saw this article where gang members are enforcing a curfew they understand the significance of social distancing to, to the point that they are taking over and they're making people a shelter at home so how is it that gang members they get it they understand it but black folks in our communities and some of the hardest hit communities they're not heeding the call they're not paying attention or they don't care or they don't think that they can get infected
0: Well, actually, that's Brazil. Yeah. what's even more striking about it is that the president of Brazil is not taking it seriously. He's saying that it's a media-generated hoax. But as you said, the drug cartels there are enforcing an 8 o'clock curfew on the people because they know. And so that kind of ignorance isn't just prevalent here in the United States. Obviously, you've got a world leader who is a close acolyte of 45 here in this country who is who even he now seems to have at least an understanding that this is too deadly to be mostly concerned about what his businesses are doing, but it was certainly not out of his realm because he's already talking about how he can get the country reopened for business in a shorter time than any of the experts recommend.
2: Well, yeah, he wants to open everything up on May 1st, which would put us right back at square one. And again, that's not going to happen.
0: No, the governor's have more say over that. And I heard California's governor today even say that he may be pushing it back as far as June because they haven't hit their peak yet. I mean, some of the other states may have an opportunity to kind of go through a rolling reopening. And I think that's probably what it's going to be. I don't think there's any magic switch that all of a sudden one day everybody's going to declare it's over. I think it's going to be a a gradual rollout because i was having a conversation with my neighbor and he was asking me about my people down in south carolina and and how were they dealing with it. and i said well from what i've seen they don't have as high a number of cases but my suspicion remains the same is that these states that are not showing the higher rates is simply because they're not doing the testing right exactly. and if you're not doing the testing then you don't know how high your rates are and of right. course if they decide at some point to try to just go back to business as usual and they've got a high portion of their population who actually does have the virus, then that is actually what's going to happen. You're gonna have a resurgence of it that's gonna start in one of these heartland states.
1: One of the things that's troubling about that also about reopening, that's what they're calling it, is that the people who are gonna be impacted the most are the folks that we've just been talking about. These are the low wage earners, these these are the working class folks that it seems like we want to sacrifice. They want to sacrifice them, put them back out there. Because when they start talking about reopening up the economy, they're talking about service jobs. You know, they're talking about restaurant jobs. They're talking about childcare. They're talking about all of these jobs where people who are making minimum wages or a little above minimum wages. Those are the folks who are going to be kind of the test that go out there and see where it's safe to start by working. And in the meantime, I saw this article where they were talking about who's considered essential. And right now, when we talk about essential employees, you're talking about senior management. You're talking about CEOs. You're talking about executives. But now they're finding out that essential means the UPS driver, the FedEx driver, the person, the delivery person, because you can't get goods from one spot to the next if you don't have a person who's gonna load the goods on the truck, drive that truck, and unload those goods to that destination. So we're gonna have to take, re-examine what's considered essential, and are these people gonna be compensated for being considered essential? I saw where in some of these uh, industries, they are giving people, they're saying, well, you know, we're we're giving them more money, but I, I don't know how much more, but they're supposed to be giving them some incentives to continue to work on these jobs.
0: Part of that is they're going to have to do it because there are people who are deciding that those jobs aren't worth risking their lives over for the money that they've been paid. You know, these are a lot of minimum wage jobs that people have been willing to put up with. But now that there's this added danger, I mean, I certainly think some of the people will go back to them, but it seems that I'm seeing... A number of ads that are out there now that are significantly above the minimum wage for what used to be considered uh, manual labor jobs. I'm seeing numbers like 17 18 $19 an hour. And I think that has to be a result of them recognizing that if they don't make some concessions to put a significant premium on some of these jobs, they're going to go wanting because people are just not going to be willing to put their lives on the line.
2: And I just wanted to make one point. I wanted to go back to something Rod said earlier about the hospitals sending Black patients home who may have actually shown signs of this virus because of the racism in the medical industry. And it's funny because I think the, the total death numbers are, are actually on the low end because there are people dying of this disease at home, Right. that they're, that they're not counting. Exactly.
0: Yeah, they've been saying for some time now that the death rates that they've been reporting are way underreported just because of the fact that so many other deaths have been not attributed to coronavirus symptoms. But... That will be for the actuarial folks and for the the statisticians to pick up going forward, and we will continue to be on the look file for it. Well, that's another edition of the Brothers Talk, and once again, we want to thank each and every one of you for spending some time with us. We look forward to sharing with you again next week, and we want to remind you that next week we're going to be focusing on what does the new normal look like. We are certainly aware of the fact that we will not be returning to business as usual in any by any stretch of the imagination. So what will that look like? And so we do have a couple of slots still available for those of you who will want to be a part of our call-in. So that call-in will be next Saturday, April the 18th. So hit us up at The Brother's Talk on Twitter, our Facebook group of the same name, The Brother's Talk on Instagram, or The Brother's Talk at gmail.com to let us know you want to be a part of that conversation, and we'll provide you with the details. So again, we want to thank you for taking the time to be with us. And in parting, as always, we say let's do better today because that's really all we have. So stay safe and stay well.